Set down your sleepy water and your Mr. Whistle. Take off that raincoat and grab a cold beer. It's time to have a real talk about pediatric dentistry. You're listening to Bruise and Tiny Teeth, the unfiltered pediatric dentistry podcast. And you can tell me if your day was different, but you know, this week is supposed to be Christmas break week. I'm going to crack a beer here. Uh, Christmas break week. And so um, I was expecting, I think it is going to be busy, but today is that weird sort of purgatory day or two where like the kids still go, go to school. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, so my day was like, it totally felt, I had like 50 some kids on the schedule. I ended up seeing like 25. It was just, it was one of those weird days, but then the kids that did show up were all like kind of nightmares and lots of same day. And emergency. Oh yeah. That's the way it always happens. I know. Yeah. It was just a weird day. Today I had anesthesia today. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you do, um, uh, are you hospital based? Do you do in office sedation? In IV office. sedation? In, in office. office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Tell me about it. How's your setup there? Well, the anesthesiologists come in and they bring all their stuff. I mean, it's the way I've been doing it for like a decade. And uh, I just roll in and do my thing and roll out and they manage the patient. It's pretty killer. Is it, uh, are you doing closed airways? You do an open airway, like IV sedation? No, No, they're intubated. They're intubated. Yeah. Yeah. Nasal intubation. You do closed airway. Uh, are you, yeah. you know, nasal, in your region? nasal, nasal intubation? Yeah. Intubation. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, so let, let's back up and, and kind of start me from the beginning. Cause I know you're in Portland and I'm imagine practicing in Portland is a very different, it's probably a demographic that went lens. Well, I'm, I have not been to Portland personally, so I'm anxious for you to tell me about it. But when I picture Portland being a little podunk Midwest bumbly, you know, pediatric dentist, I picture like hip, kind of very healthy, health oriented, like more organic type people, like, like it's just a different type of personality. I think I see out there. Would you say that you have a lot of that in your community where you practice at, or is it like, are you in a surprisingly more blue collar area of Portland? No, you nailed it. No, uh, I'm in a very urban location. It's the Mississippi district, which is the very hip hipster, hippie, hip hoppy area and lots of boutiques and restaurants and food carts and it is a very health conscious area and people are pretty fit they're very into sustainability and planetary health and supporting your local farmers and farm to table and you know uh, living a l- low tox lifestyle and and all of that so uh, cool. it's pretty cool I moved from Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, 15 plus years ago. And I felt I came visiting a friend, one friend <laughs> that I had here, never having been before to and I fell in love with it within two minutes and just said this, this is for me. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool. You know, it's a small little city. And it's really beautiful here. Um, lots of greenery. It's very lush, almost like a rainforest, you know, that rain really <laughs> It pays off come the spring. So anyway, it's really great. It's a neat place. So then you, uh, you're from Boston. Where did you do residency at? And then, uh, like, what did your professional pathway like residency? And then did you associate and then move to Portland and start a practice? Or what did your career track look like? Yeah, sure. I grew up in Maine. Mm -hmm. Um, that's actually where I'm from. And then I went to Tufts in Boston. That was where I went to dental school. And then I did a general practice residency for a year. And then I associated for a hot minute out in Boston. And then I hated Boston. And I had a moment where I just 
had to get out of there. And so I had visited a friend. I packed up my forerunner after I fell in love with Portland. I drove cross country solo and I worked um, again as at an associate for a pretty big, but not very great DSO type situation. But, um, and, and I was, so I was a general dentist and I just hated it. I just didn't even like dentistry. I was really questioning my career path. And part of that was that I just feel like, felt like I wasn't making much of a change with my patients. Um, the current model was, it was just, you know, they came in and I was very limited in the time I had to really dig into their history and the basically the root causes of their issues and spend time with them to do like health coaching and nutrition coaching and hygiene coaching and all of these things. So I thought, how do I get more upstream and help people before their hot masses, before their full-blown fires of chronic disease? And I thought, well, gosh, that's with kids. And that's with educating their parents. So I went back into my pediatric residency at OHSU, Oregon Health and Science University here in Portland. Um, luckily, I only applied to one residency program because I just moved here and I didn't want to move again. So I was very fortunate. I got in. And then I worked as an associate here, there, and everywhere. Um, finally settling. I had a partnership for a brief period that wasn't most the most ideal situation. And so um, I took over that practice, rebranded, and that's where I am today. And so um, I've owned and worked in that practice for nine years now. Hmm. Nine years. And so do you own the practice currently? You're the solo owner. The other partner is gone. It's just you're the practice yeah. owner. You've been running that's the ship. Right? Yeah, cool. Sure. Very cool. Um, when did you... Uh, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about are kind of more of the holistic options and kind of catering to that patient population that you have and um, topics that I feel like I struggle with a lot. But is this something you've always been interested in? Or was there like an event that happened that kind of made you shift your focus on the way that you do pediatric dentistry? Because as you know, this isn't holistic conversations aren't really something that gets brought up in residency, or at least not in my residency at Iowa and the ones I'm familiar with. So how did this all come up and become of interest to you? Great questions. Yeah, I think I've always, I'd say since high school, I've been very interested in health and nutrition and longevity, if you will, although it wasn't really called that at the time. Um, so that was always important to me. But yeah, that's it's 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 insightful of you. Um, a lot shifted for me when I lost my mom very suddenly in my mid 20s and my dad had already passed away when i was a teenager and they were both from environmental and lifestyle choices and so it really became important for me to focus on prevention preventative health and just looking beyond some more conventional mainstream um thoughts if you will you know like for, for and nutrition particularly was really important for me and like doubling down on the importance of nutraceuticals and how every bite of food that we take really impacts our body and that applied to, of that applies of course to dentistry you know where where we're seeing dental decay and gum disease and oral dysbiosis and, and all of these issues, a lot of it can come back to our diet, nutritional deficiencies, micronutrient deficiencies. But as dentists, we don't necessarily have the time or even the education from dental school to, to focus on that. You know, we're so focused on fixing the teeth. Um, 
And so it just propelled me into it was it's been a slow evolution. And um, I really consider myself more of a functional dentist, I'd say than holistic. And I'll explain the difference. Holistic, deservingly, I think it's a lot of side eye because it's it's just used. It's an overused word. You know, holistic really means whole body. And so we know there's an oral systemic connection. How does the oral health and the oral microbiome specifically impact different parts of the body? And, you know, as dentists, we get the short end of the stick from our medical colleagues. Like we're made fun of constantly as, oh, you're just a dentist. But the mouth's connected to the body. It's the gateway to the body. And thank goodness for oral microbiome research, we're realizing these microbes in our mouths have a lot of influence over our systemic health. You know, whether it's Alzheimer's and dementia risk or cardiovascular disease, fertility, pregnancy outcomes, uh, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, it goes on and on and on. So functional dentistry really is like functional medicine where you're just looking at the root cause and kind of trying to piece together all of these connections. And so I am um, IFM certified. I'm an Institute of Functional Medicine certified provider. Um, and I do have, I'm double board certified as a naturopathic um, dental physician and um, integrative dentist as well. So I, I have had to go out to get additional education, but especially with the functional medicine component, everything's research-based. It's just looking at the patient a little deeper and more intimately, I would say. So because of that, I have had to restructure my practice a lot and I have to spend more time with my patients. You know, my medical intake form is involved. <laughs> and part of that is, you know, looking at if a child has d decay, rampant decay, instead of just saying, you need to brush and floss more and you need to cut back on the sugar, there's so much more to it. You know, do they have candida? Are they mouth breathing? Uh, you know, what is their, or do they have nutritional deficiencies? Do they have this under mineralized or hyperplastic enamel, which I personally am seeing rampant in my patients. And so I've dug into the research and it can have a lot to do with fat soluble vitamin deficiencies, like specifically vitamin D deficiency in pregnancy. And in those early formative years, it can have a lot to do with magnesium deficiency, vitamin K deficiency. We're seeing now links to microplastics and how that affects amelogenesis. So there's just a lot more that I think we're missing. And it, it, you know, it takes a certain patient population to want to even have this information. And I feel very fortunate to have a practice that allows me to put these pieces together because I'll be honest, like traditional dentistry, like actually just fixing teeth that just wasn't feeling fulfilling to me. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I really much more enjoy helping unpack the root causes of these issues because a lot of times there's issues further down in the body, you know, more systemic issues. Like, for example, a nutritional deficiency, if a child's extremely vitamin D deficient, yes, that might have contributed to their caries risk in their cavities, but that's going to impact their immune health. That's going to impact their sleep quality. That's going to impact, you know, vitamin D is so essential for so many um, systems in the body. So, um it, it can have profound impacts. And we look a lot at gut health too. And so the oral gut 
access is really important in, in my peds practice and how a child's oral microbiome might be affecting their gut health and vice versa, how gut health is, because it's bi-directional, how gut health is impacting the oral, oral microbiome. So I'd say we do a lot of oral microbiome um, discussions. We do offer oral microbiome testing. We have vitamin D spot tests at our house, uh, sorry, at our office. Um, we have just various protocols to help reestablish the commensal bacteria in the mouth. Um, so we do a lot more than I would say just hygiene counseling and, and nutritional counseling too. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that's kind of one thing I was looking forward to in our discussion was, you know, coming from somebody like myself who is doesn't make a claim to be functional based. And I feel like I have a lot of shortcomings in terms of, I wish I spent more time kind of giving personalized nutrition advice. But to your point, like the term holistic dentist gets, you know, abused a lot and maybe gets a bit of a bad rap, but like, I feel like there's a lot of common ground, you know, between like all, all the things you just said, there wasn't anything that, you know, I disagree about, like, I think it's all stuff that most dentists are very aware of. Um, yeah. but like most of us maybe just do a bad job discussing it or taking the time to do it. And, you know, trying to apply a lot of those concepts in an era of like, high volume, like lots of insurance, lots of Medicaid, you know, you, like you, sure. to your point, you got to have a, a patient population. So, um, are you, um, you know, is your, is your patient population more fee, like of a fee for service base in your practice where you can take more time to spend like, cause this yeah. is obviously a time consuming process to go through this paperwork, have these Very long discussions. So. Yeah. So, so is that the type of like, is your practice model more, more catered to like fewer patients, but more time in a fee for yes. service model than a high volume practice. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't always that case, that way. I mean, when we first started, we took every insurance, we packed the office, you know, cause we were building. Um, and that was before I kind of had done a full blown brand rehaul, if you will, and really said, I'm going to double down. I am a functional dentist. This is how I'm practicing. Um, so we, yeah, we still take some insurances, but there's a lot of people that do pay cash to come see us, you know, and um, we have people travel really far to our office. I mean, we have people fly across the country to see us. Um, so there is a need and a demand out there. I'm telling all of you listening, if you're looking to practice differently, it could just be a few small tweaks to the way you practice, but it is going to really help um, you with patients for sure. But also for me, I, I found practicing this way really gives me more joy in my career. Um, burnout is so high among dentists. I know why. I mean, it's not only, especially with peds, it's volume, but it's sort of just like that. For me, this is how it was for me. It's the same thing over and over again. Mo's and does, you know, come back for treatment. You need pulps and crowns, extractions of the upper four, anesthesia, city. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over again. I just felt like I wasn't making a difference. I'm not moving the needle. And what was what I was doing really helping that child? Like, yes, from an acute standpoint, the child's out of pain. That localized abscess is gone. But in the grand scheme of things, have I really changed the habits of that family or, or unpacked what went sideways for them so they can prevent issues from happening again? And so often, we all know this, there's repeat offenders, right? I mean, it's so frustrating. And I just, I just didn't want that to happen anymore. So yes, I have much longer appointments. I have an incredible team who's had additional training. They're out, I mean, they do so much 
of the talking for me. And then I've created extremely detailed handouts. That's what that was kind of my workaround is that I can't speak about all of these concepts to the detail I'd like to. So that's why I have all these handouts. They get a, a new patient packet with all kinds of handouts that are specific to what I think they need to know more about. But and it's also why I started my my Instagram page. Um, and that's where I just send patients to have more free education, you know, and so where I can like double down on some of these concepts for them. Uh, okay. So I'm just going to start popcorning questions. Cause I told my co-residents I was having you on. I'm like, what, what questions would you have for more of like a functional whole body kind of more holistic style pediatric dentist? And so I kind of just have, like, I don't have a good way to flow through this cause there's so many things I want to ask you. So I'm just going like to kind rapid, of, I like rapid fire. Rapid it's great. fire. Let's do it. On my toes. <laughs> okay. So, um, common one I get, you know, parent comes in and let's, we're going to come back to like, um, maybe more the preventive side of it, but let's say we're in the trenches. We got a cavity to fix mom. Your kid's got a cavity. We've been watching it. You point to it. It's there. It's obvious cavity. Um, and it's a good filling size cavity. Maybe it's big occlusal on K and you know, then you start presenting mom with your treatment options. We've got a stainless steel crown and mom's not a big fan of that because it's got nickel and she's worried about the metals in that. Okay. I've got, um, you know, amalgam, you could present amalgam. We're concerned about mercury. We've got, okay, we can do a glass-based product, a glass armor. I've got Equia Forte. I've got Riva. I've got Fuji. I don't want fluoride. Okay, we can check that. I've got a resin. Um, you know, I'm concerned about PBAs. It feels like every material we have, yeah. maybe short of like zirconia, um, which is kind of challenging to place, has some sort of negative, like downside. So sure. one of my questions for, for you was like, how do you, when you, a cavity is there and it needs to be fixed, what are the materials that you like using for your patient population? What are the kind of talking points that you use to kind of explain your materials to parents? And what would you kind of recommend for kind of your everyday dentist like myself, who maybe has a more material conscientious parent that wants a safe material they can put in their mouth, but still holds up well, like is clinically going to hold up well, like, you know, to sure. our standard. Yes. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> these are great questions. Uh, I, you know, first of all, we all know the best dentistry is no dentistry, right? So we're just doing the best we can with what we're presented with. And I I, I kind of say that to parents too. Um, nothing's perfect. There's no perfect material out there, right? But the first thing I'm going to say to all of this is um, I think it's reasonable for parents to have concerns. Like the, this, this is, you're, you're now a parent, right? So you want what's absolutely best for this child I think so many providers feel it's disrespectful when parents are asking them questions. They're just not dental experts. We are. You know, we do this every day. And I think we forget about how little patients know about any of this, right? So the first thing I would say is I always prioritize emotional health first in my office. And that means not only the child, but the family. So there's no shaming. There's no condescending attitude. They're just seeking information. And that's my role. I'm a doctor, which means teacher, and I'm there to educate. So if you have concerns about materials, let's have a talk, right? So that's my first advice. Try for people that, that find themselves like they start getting upset, like their blood pressure starts to rise when a mom starts talking about some of these things. I really ask that I just say kind of do a self-check and this isn't about you. This is just someone asking questions and it's fine. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, I use Voco products, which are ceramic based products. Um, I, they're not perfect. You know, moisture control is really important. Um, they occasionally pop out, but I'd say not that often, not that often They're It's a pretty high success rate, but we have to have a really, it has to be really well isolated and I have to have a really cooperative child. Right. So, but we have really great success rate with those. I do have Admira Fusion in my office for, um, when I have more isolation concerns, or sometimes I'll use that for hypoplastic enamel. I always tell the families that it does have some fluoride in it. Um, and I just explain, you know, it's generally only reactivated if you're consuming more fluoride products. And so it will be kind of locked in. Don't stress, you know, that it's the best I have is what I'll say. I'm just very forthright with it. Um, I say I can use this ceramic material, but it's probably going to fail. And they usually will go with the Admira Fusion. So that's what I use for materials generally. Tell me, can you tell me about the ceramic too? Uh, is is the ceramic? Do you treat it like a composite? I'm not familiar. It's just, with like, a, it's just like a composite. Yeah, you you etch and bond. It's Vocal. You you should check out the products. They're really wonderful. They also have um, putties and liners and things for your pulps as well. Um, so check out that. It's a little more expensive, but I, I really like it. And act, once it's cured, I mean, you run your explorer over it. It's like ting ting ting. It's like it's like ceramic. It's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Because uh, cool. it is. Um, so we do zirconia crowns in my office. We we have stainless steel also because it's a price issue for a lot of families too. I'm pretty honest. I say, you know, stainless steel is more durable. Um, there's some nickel in it. 17% at the high number, especially females is the study. It can be nickel sensitive. So that's not nothing. Mm -hmm. Um but it might be the best we have. And then sometimes they, they offer an extraction instead. And then we go into the space maintainer and, you know, or we work with an early airway functional orthodontist. So a lot of times these kids, we won't do spacers because they're now going to get their retainers or their Invisalign or something for, for early expansion. That's a whole other airway topic, which we can get to. Mm. Um, but, uh, I've been using Bioflex and actually our mutual friend, Dr. Parker was the one that introduced me to those. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty pleased with them. Again, they're not perfect, but they, they act more like a stainless steel crown. And so the parents um, tend to be a little bit happier with those. So that's what I do. I mean, I'm not rubbing like crystals on their teeth and like, like chanting. Like I still do a lot of dentistry. I had anesthesia today. And so I have to still do a lot of traditional dentistry but I think the difference is we are extremely conservative I and mean, we, we avoid dentistry at all costs. We're very comfortable watching and trying to um, arrest decay or remineralize if possible. And, you know, a lot of it for me is I just have to get the parent comfortable with the concept that their child maybe needs anesthesia, right? So a lot of times patients may come in to see me and the child has decay that I know needs to be treated. Let's say they're not in pain, no infection, but I can just tell that family's not ready. And so I will throw out the idea. I think your child likely will need anesthesia, you know, maybe not right at this moment. Kind of, why don't you sit with this? And, you know, it's probably going to get worse. Um, but this is probably what your child will need. And I, we can continue to monitor it, but it, we may be just watching it get worse and very often a week or two later they call and they schedule the anesthesia 
And it's like, it's like anything. This is called, this is health coaching 101 or like executive um, coaching, right? So no one likes to be told what to do. We all want to feel like we're making the decision for ourselves. So we're just there to present treatment options. One option is no treatment. That should always be an option, right? These are the reasons I don't recommend no treatment, but this is your child. This is your choice. Um, you know, one option is, okay, well, this is a really conservative option. I can do pulps and composite buildups, blah, 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 blah. I don't recommend that. These are for families, like say, that don't want crowns. I don't recommend that. Here's why. That can leak. That can fail. They can fracture. But that's an option. Um, and then this is the other option, anesthesia with full coverage crowns, blah, 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 blah. It's all, it's so much about it is verbiage and um, it's so much human psychology. You know, if you just feel, if you, if the parent feels like you don't have a dog in the fight and you're just kind of neutral presenting information, I mean, very often we, the parents will accept the treatment plan that you feel is best for the child too. They just need to come to that themselves. Um, so I don't know. I hope that makes sense. It does. It does. I think uh, one of the best things you said in that line, which I 100% agree with, is that um, your spidey sense goes off when you've been seeing kids for maybe three plus years. You've been doing this a while where you're, you know this kid's going to need general anesthesia, but like yeah. there's definitely a subtle art to like you know, if you just bring that on a parent, even though you know that's going to be the likely, they're going to turn it down. So planting the seed early can be helpful. Yes. Where like at six months, bring it up again, point ding, out the cabinet, yes. keep watching it. Yeah, there's so much to that. It's a it's a subtle art form that you kind of hone over time. But like it, yes. once you get good at it, it helps you tee these kids up when you know they're going to need sedation, and that way parents kind of get used to it over time. There's a lot of good points there. You seed sure. planted, so they can sit and process this. I think this is something we really forgot about. Also, when you dump this on a parent like say they just come in and maybe they don't even know their child their child has cavities i mean how many times does this happen and then all of a sudden you're like uh it's actually rampant decay and they need full general anesthesia i mean can you imagine that gut punch to a parent and then it's the mom guilt and like what did i do wrong you know it's so then you add a provider who's like it's it was your breastfeeding that did it you need to stop breastfeeding and this you must be feeding your kids candy bars and sugar you know it, like that's not helping the situation they're overwhelmed they feel awful and now they're faced with this really hard decision i mean anesthesia is hard it's really hard to see your child go under anesthesia. I have seen it with my daughter getting her adenoids and tonsils out and my other daughter had a facial trauma. It's And I do this for a living. It's hard to see your baby go under anesthesia. And so I just think, yeah, seed planting and then they, they know, they kind of know, they can sit with it, they can process it, and then they can come to the right decision for their child. For sure. Okay. Uh, another rapid fire one, uh, one I wanted to ask you about. I'm pretty unfamiliar with the the ozone therapy side of things. You know, a lot of the things I know on, I saw on your website services, you offer laser dentistry, like using a heart tissue laser, um, soft tissue laser, tongue tie releases. I've done a lot of mm -hmm. podcasts on that, but um, something that's pretty different that I feel like is unique to the functional dentistry world is more the ozone therapy side of thing. Um, yeah. I just don't know much about it. You know, my, it seemed, I've seen a few treatment plans where a mom will go get a second opinion, maybe a mom elsewhere, and she'll go bring it back and 
it'll say ozone therapy and it's like every tooth ozone 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 and <laughs> and it's a charge per tooth and uh, you know, and I picture a dentist just like taking a little tube with like ozone and squirting it on the tooth and then trying to make the parent feel like they did something, but I just don't know enough about it. You know, I, I've used ozone for some other non-dentistry related things in the past, but could you just educate me? Like, do you use ozone therapy in your practice? If so, what are the realistic limitations? Is there good research that kind of supports it? Have you found that it's effective in certain situations? Like what's your experience been with that? Yeah, great question. I mean, ozone for sure, people are super suspicious of. Uh, I will say it's one of the best things I've added to my practice. So ozone is essentially just an antimicrobial. I mean, that's all it is. So it's a very reactive O3 molecule um, that targets gram-positive bacteria, which generally are pathogens, okay? So it ruptures the cell wall. It works instantly. Um, so really what it's doing, it's shifting the oral microbiome. Again, most what I'm trying to do constantly is focus on the oral microbiome for the child. Um, and what's cool, it's not only antibacterial, it's antifungal, antiviral. So candida, we have found through oral microbiome testing, is often really high in, in children with cavities. So it can help treat candida in the mouth too by shifting it. Now, I don't love the dentists that are charging every single tooth. I think that's unfair. We price it differently, or I actually don't often don't even charge for it because I'm using it. I'm using it under all my fillings. I'm using it in my pulps. I'm putting ozone gas down in extraction sites that are abscessed. Um, it's really pretty cool. And then parents will use ozonated oil at home as part of our caries arrest protocol. Um, and but you have to. It's not every case. Like you have to be selective. It has to be an incipient lesion, right? And um, it, it really works though. I mean, I have a lot of case studies. I'm actually working on a book and um, I lecture too. And so I have a lot of case studies with ozone. Um, it's not going to be for everyone. It's not going to be for everyone. I think the easiest way to think about it is it's an antimicrobial. Um, that's really easy to administer. It doesn't taste bad like silver diamine fluoride does. Um, the protocol we use at my office, it involves a lot of ozone oil at home, and then we recommend nanohydroxyapatite toothpaste. Um, what I like about this, I think with like silver diamine fluoride, you apply it and it works. And I used to use SDF at my office, um, but it doesn't put any responsibility on the family. And again, this is very patient population dependent, right? My patients are like really engaged and they want to double down on helping their kids heal. So with SDF, you paint it on, and, and but habits maybe aren't changing. So with our protocol, the parents have to actively like apply the ozone to the lesion or to the floss and floss it between the teeth. And alternative nights, like we put the hydroxyapatite toothpaste on the floss. You could also use fluoride toothpaste and floss it between the teeth. So what have I done right there? We've created the habit of flossing. I, you know, I said, you need to do this every night. This will work if you floss their teeth every night. So not only are the materials helping reduce bacterial load and the nano is remineralizing, but we've also created a habit. And that's what I want because, again, I'm trying to create healthy habits for a thriving child in the future too, not right now. And I want a teenager who flosses. I want an adult who flosses. Um, and we have a really low rate of 
patients that come in with cavities everywhere, you fix them that then get cavities again. They like some of the ways that we're presenting information, like we in education, we really do seem to be creating lifelong habits and changes. We have a lot of healthy kids, which is great. <clears throat> so anyway, that's how we use it. We use it as a gas. Um, we use ozonated water in through through all of our cleanings. We've we're I'm working with Bristol oral microbiome testing um, to do some case studies too about um, how ozone is helping impact the oral microbiome as well. So stay tuned for that. But I work with a lot a lot with Bristol, which is a direct to consumer oral microbiome test, um, and I sell those in my office too. They're really cool. I will say. I think they're wonderful for adult patients in the periodontal, our periodontal patients, but with kids, you know, karyogenic uh, bacteria and fungus and things like that, they're pretty transient. Think about how many times kids put things in their mouth. And so we don't have a full database on, on kids, you know, pediatric oral microbiomes. Yeah, the database is really more in the adult population. Um, but I am doing some preliminary studies with Bristol, which is cool. Mm -hmm. I like the the concept of, I've always liked the theoretical concept whenever you say you, you prep a carious lesion, you remove decay. You know, I'm a big fan of taking either a little sodium hypochlorite pellet or a chlorhexidine pellet and kind of scrubbing it, especially if it's a little bit deeper. I like that theory of decreasing the bacterial load. And it sounds yeah. like that's kind of the same concept um, with, with the ozone, you know, kind of like a belt and suspenders approach where it doesn't hurt anything to kind of lower bacteria in there. Um, tell me about the ozone, the ozonated water is an interesting concept. So is that, you know, like I, I have, okay, so this is random, but for like, hunting people, hunters, I'm a big outdoorsman. Hunters use ozone because it kills, um, or it, uh, it's, it eliminates odors, if you will. It's like yeah. a thing for like, for making your clothes not smell when you're out in the woods. So I've got an ozone maker and it's like a little contraption with the tube. You turn it on. It's got a really pronounced smell as you're probably yes. familiar with. It smells but, like ozone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It smells like ozone. So can you, is the idea you can take a machine like that and take that tube that emits the ozone gas and you just kind of put that into like a big bulk amount of water and kind of bubble it like a fish tank mm -hmm. aerator and kind exactly. of ozonate it? Is that exactly. the same concept? That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. They make okay. dental ozone machines specific for dentistry. Okay. Uh, so Longevity was the brand that I was using. Um, they've now they're now no more. Um, I think they want, they, I don't know, mismanagement of finances perhaps, but pure O3 now has one, uh, P U R O3 when they have the ozonated oil and they're not that expensive. I mean, you can get a unit in your office, but they're really great for oral ulcerations at this ulcers. I mean, you can put it on anything. Um, I, my daughter had that facial trauma. I mentioned, I put it all over her sutures and scars on her face um, just to expedite healing. It's they're great. It's great for burns, bee stings. I mean, it's really cool. So it's just a medicament. That's all it is. It's not, I think people just are overthinking it, but there's, there is, there are studies. There's, there's plenty of studies enough to make me feel comfortable using it. Um, it's been talked about in dental town, you know, like it's, people are talking about dental ozone, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people still don't know about it or, or, or utilize it. So of course we need more research, but mm -hmm. the thing with ozone, you can't patent it really. You can patent the machine, you can't patent ozone. So it's not like people are dumping a bunch of funding into this. You know what, sure. I mean? you know what I'm saying? 
That yeah. makes sense. But there's yeah. a lot of ozone research in the medical world too. And so the whole concept is just antimicrobial, you know, that's what it is. Um, okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So Stacy. so now let's shift. Um, Cause I wanted to leave. I had two segments left. I still wanted to cover cause I'm realizing we could talk about this for a long time. So the first <laughs> thing I want to spend a little chunk of time talking about is some like um, myofunctional therapy, some oral airway stuff. Cause I know, I think that yeah. seems to be a big component, a growing area of popularity. And I think of your practice. And then I wanted to, before we wrap up, also talk about products and things that a casual pediatric dentist out in Bufu, you know, the United States, Missouri can offer like good products for, so, so that's going to be the second part. So, um, so let's kind of transition. Um, I had a listener wanted, wanting to know a little bit more about that. This is something I know nothing about. Somebody told me to ask about her opinion on mouth taping. I Mm -hmm. don't pretend to be a, um, like an airway guy, there's a lot of really good orthodontists around me. So I certainly send a lot of kids off for phase one. I send a lot of kids to, you know, kind of, I do my own quick little airway evaluation. I get a lot of kids send for tonsils, adenoids out, expansion, correcting crossbites, mm-hmm. correcting oral habits. But um, I don't do a lot of like actual, like my own ortho work beyond that. So what what's your orthodontic slash like, um, you know, I guess functional growth side of your practice look like, what products are you using? Um, and then specifically at some point I wanted you to touch on, I don't know if mouth taping is just some product that gets kids breathing through their nose or something, but somebody wanted to know about that. So save that. I got you. I got 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 you. I got you. Cool. So yeah, we start seeing infants. So we have IBCLCs in the community um, and chiropractors and body workers and doulas and the whole shebang refer patients to us, refer babies to do um, tethered tissue assessments. You know, do they have a tongue restriction or lip tie generally? Um, but also just oral motor assessments. A lot of times we just realize the child needs some chiropractic work or some cranial sacral work. So that's how it all starts. Um If we find they either have a habit, so prolonged pacifier or thumb, um, open by uh, low tongue posture, open mouth posture or mouth breathing, and the family's interested. I don't, you know, I don't push this on people. It's really, I have a lot of patients come to me just for the airway assessment, but we will start with a myomunchy. And so that's a, if you're not familiar with it, it's a silicone, medical grade silicone. Um, it looks like a mouth guard sort of, like a U-shaped mouth guard. And the whole point of it is to strengthen myofunctional tone, create lip seal, encourage the kids to breathe through their nose. So it's not only retraining neural feedback of how to breathe through our nose, because unfortunately, once you become a mouth breather, you can develop that habit, you know, um, mouth breathing begets mouth breathing. So it kind of retrains a child. Oh, wait, I have this thing that can breathe. It's my nose. Um, but it also strengthens all the muscles that are required to keep lips shut, like the orbicularis oris. And it, it helps encourage the tongue to lift up and tone the tongue and, you know, all these facial muscles. We then transition them in, into like a myo chew which is just a little bit more advanced where there's now a tongue tab and they can start doing very basic myofunctional exercises, pressing on that tab on the spot, which is, you know, behind the upper anterior teeth. At this point, we're usually working with a myofunctional therapist maybe, but we're also determining does the child need to see an ENT? Do they have 
um, enlarged adenoids or tonsils or deviated septum or enlarged turbinates, or do they have allergies, whether it's environmental or food related? So it's there's a lot to unpack. Most of these children do end up having high narrow palates, crossbites. You know, there is definitely a skeletal mid-face jaw component to it. So we're working with our early functional orthodontist as well. And so once they've gone through usually the myomunchie and then maybe the myo2, then they get referred sometimes at three and a half or four years old for early expansion. And she will do a removable, almost like a Holly appliance um, to expand. Or she's doing a lot of Invisalign right now. Um, she does some ALF appliances. Once the sixes come in, she'll do an RPE if that's indicated. So she has a lot of tools in her toolkit. She doesn't just do one. Yeah. I have a question. Um, do you find, like, do you send these kids to get expanded if they don't have a crossbite? Like if they have a high arch palate um, or in general? Because I really only send these really early kids, like pre, like, Seven's about the earliest I send, but I wait for six-year molars to come in and then refer out. Do you do you like to see a posterior crossbite or some sort of a crossbite to start initiating this process, or do you get success even without? Like, can you do you ever still expand kids if they're narrow but not in crossbite? Yeah, good question. Um, it just depends. Like, if they're symptomatic, yeah, I'll send them early. And what does that mean? Do they walk in my office like? their mouth gaping open with hunched forward shoulders. I'm looking at their gait. How are they walking? Do they have adenoid facies? Do they look depleted? That Those dark circles. Um, do they have a lot of caries because they're mouth breathing too? So if if child's mouth breathing, you can fix the teeth as much as you want. They're probably just going to have recurrent decay and car- caries again because, you know, mouth breathing drops the pH. It alters the oral microbiome, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, zero stomia. So it just depends. Um, But a lot of these kids, I would find it's pretty rare to see an asymptomatic child with a really high, narrow palate. And that just has to do with tongue space. Like you can't even get your tongue up to your palate to create lip seal. So your tongue lays low, your lips fall open. There's a really great book, um, Sleep Wrecked Kids. I highly recommend it. It's by Sharon Moore. Um, if you read that, you'll really understand a lot of these concepts, I think. So, but it just depends. It depends. And is the family interested too? You know, some parents really want to be proactive. There's a wonderful pediatric dentist out of Chicago. He's sort of a leader in this field, Dr. Kevin Boyd. And he has this new mantra, fix by six. Um, and so he's big in the airway research. He's actually an anthropologist too. He's really cool. Uh, check out his stuff. He has YouTube videos. He lectures. If you can watch him lecture, he's such a hoot. He's wonderful. He's so brilliant. Um, but he he wants kids started early, early, early. And he's not when he says fixed by six, he doesn't mean like treatment plan completed. But we should be initiating treatment, and this has to do with facial development. Um, and this is a scholarly debate, right? This is real controversial among a lot of orthodontists. I'm obviously team early. Uh, you know, I went, I've been trained at the Breathe Institute and I've taken all kinds of airway classes, too many to list, but um, it's what I have found helps patients the most. And I've seen it with my own, my own daughter starting really early and they're basically done with treatment now at the ages of eight and 10 and just thriving, you know? So, but anyway, so I refer to her for early expansion um, or at least just a consultation, right? She'll do, she does free consultations, and so we just determine whether the child needs expansion or not. Um, now, 
lip taping. So um, Dr. Shush Zoggy is out of the Breathe Institute in LA. He's an ENT otolaryngologist who's really big into this in this world, doing a lot of amazing research. And he has determined really based on anatomy that we should not be taping kids before the age of three. So he's saying three and above, you could melt tape. I melt tape every single night. Uh, my sleep scores are incredible when I melt tape. If I don't melt tape, I wear an aura ring. My sleep scores are terrible. I usually don't get into my REM cycles. I have really just dysregulated sleep um, because you get 20% less oxygen through your mouth. If my tongue isn't up to the roof of my mouth sealed, it's more likely to kind of slip back into my throat and I'll mildly, mildly obstruct. And so what's important to know, there's, you know, obstructive sleep apnea, but then there's just sleep disordered breathing, there's dysregulated breathing, it's a whole continuum. And so we're tending just to diagnose the severest cases, but we have to understand, you know, you have to be along this plane to work your way up to sleep disordered breathing. So we want to catch things again before they're full-blown fires. So anyway, you, with kids, I really, I won't recommend lip taping or sleep taping until they've been cleared by an ENT. I want to absolutely make sure they don't have adenoid or tonsillar obstruction. Um, there's something called the lip seal test. It's, it's, can you breathe through your nose comfortably for three minutes without feeling panicked, without feeling sympathetically overdriven fight or flight? If you can, you can lip tape. And with some kids, we just suggest lip taping. And these could be like, let's say the six, seven, eight-year-olds because they're in active treatment. Like they're in myofunctional therapy. They're in orthodontics. We're still working on getting their lips sealed and them not mouth breathing. But in but this takes time. This doesn't just happen overnight. It can take months and months, sometimes years to really change the shape of the palate and the jaws and get everything all orchestrated. So it's just, it's literally a band-aid just to keep the lips closed to encourage nasal breathing. We also know nasal breathing is important, not only for more oxygen delivery, but nitric oxide release, which is a really important regulating molecule um, that's released in the paranasal sinuses. It also filters the air, it warms the air, humidifies the air. So we're obligate nasal breathers. Like humans are supposed to be nasal breathing. We're not supposed to be Napoleon Dynamite walking around. And once you start to get into this world, go to an airport or go to like an amusement park and you will see this is an epidemic. Everyone is breathing through their mouth. Um, you can't unsee it. There's the book Breath by James Nestor. I highly recommend if you're really interested. Um, it's incredible. It came out in 2020. But it's 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 important. I think it's the most important thing I do in my practice is get kids breathing properly. Because I think if we were to pick one thing that's foundational for health, it's breath. It's oxygen. What is the one thing we can't live without for three minutes? It's oxygen, right? So, and we're helping get kids off from, you know, ADHD medications and things of that nature. Because a lot of times these kids are so chronically um, under, under rested, if you will. And then they're so sympathetically over their, their sympathetic nervous systems is overstimulated. They're bouncing off the walls. These are the kids that get, get pegged with ADD and ADHD, hyperactivity, behavioral issues, but really it all comes down to how they're breathing and sleeping at night. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's pretty rewarding when you can see that kids will often have a growth spurt, um, because, 
you know, growth hormones released in the deeper stages of sleep. So if kids are never getting into their deep restorative sleep cycles, their hormones are affected. You know, um, the glymphatic system doesn't, the cleansing system of the brain doesn't kick in. There's a lot that happens in these deeper uh, REM cycles and deep sleep that are really important for our health. So I think everybody listening is going to agree, you know, that I think we all understand, especially as pediatric dentists, when we're just dog ass tired all the time, like the importance of really good sleep. I actually just ordered um, for Christmas. I'm, I'm talking my voice down. So she can't hear me. I got my wife and myself an aura ring for Christmas. So I'm anxious to try it out and see how I'm sleeping. Cause I think it's going to be eye opening. Cause I'm sure my sleep is garbage. Your um, heart rate variability. Oh man. I mean, we'll, <laughs> you'll have to tell me. Mine's awful. Um, you know, what's really interesting. I have to share this. Uh, yeah. Cause I love these gadgets. So I was wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor just for fun, just to monitor my blood glucose regulation. And it was pretty stable. And, you know, and I eat pretty, I, I focus on blood glucose regulation when I eat. But I was looking back at it at the end of the day and I'd have these huge spikes like out of nowhere in the middle of my day. And I hadn't eaten. I'd be like, what the heck is that? Like, why am I spiking? Do you know when it was? When I was in treatment. Oh, you like you were just stressed and I out. Was anesthetizing kids, yeah. Wow. yeah. That's funny. It so must be forget. your body's way of like preparing you for like that fight or flight, like dump some sugar 100%. in your. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's one hundred percent what it is. Yeah, yeah. there's. St- I've I've seen um. People talk about how, you know, your blood pressure goes up and your heart rate goes up during you know anesthetizing patients and like oral surgery. I mean. I guess what I'm trying to say is props to all of you because we're taking our toll on our bodies for sure just by our profession, you know, so. Yeah, I was just thinking that too. I noticed I started wearing my Apple watch all day and I can look at my watch and and tie that to like the, the really tough kids I had through the day. You'll see my my heart rate just like shoots yeah. up. Times. Yeah, that's it's, so it's- not good for us. I mean, <laughs> that's why I hope everyone has outlets, you know, and that I think I'm happy that you have an aura ring because it, it really is one of the most, re- most reliable devices on the market right now. But it's really important. There's a book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, that I also mm-hmm. highly recommend. I mean, it really shows us how important sleep is for longevity and function and mental health and emotional health and, you know, all of that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely foundational. I don't care how much, how many HIIT workouts or CrossFit workouts you do or vegan, carnivore, whatever. If you're not sleeping well, forget it. Mm-hmm. Forget it. You're going to be a mess. Um, okay. Uh, last thing is, and then I'm going to have you kind of... Um tie things up here. This would be a good way to kind of, uh, uh, wrap things up. But that last thing I wanted to ask is you kind of, so as we close up here, do you have any products that, um, you could recommend to like myself or all the other dentists listening that maybe don't practice in quite the same demographics you do, maybe more lower, um, just health conscious, lower oral health literacy families that are just you know, more, more bread and butter type style dentistry, but occasionally you get that one mom that wants a little, you know, that maybe wants to be more natural route. Do you have a particular toothpaste recommendation that we Mm -hmm. could give her a couple products we could give to that mom to give her a fighting chance, maybe a nano hydroxy appetite toothpaste. So what are some uh, products that you recommend? And then, um, and then you can go ahead and kind of, as you wrap up, give a shout out to a couple of the things you're working on and how people can kind of get in contact with you. If somebody wants to talk further, come shadow you out in Portland, follow you on your things, hit you with questions, is interested in this. So I want to get that contact info too. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Well, I think some like look into a myo munchie. I think that could really change your practice. So just look into that um, and learn about it. And they have really easy little CE classes and things that you can take. Um, it could not be easier to implement that into your practice. And if you, uh, I'll give you my contact, but if anyone has questions about any of this, please. I do have a lot of dentists come shadow me and I mentor and um, I'm working on a training program too. Um, just so everyone knows too, we're working, I'm working on creating the Institute of Functional Dentistry with some colleagues um, of mine as well. So there might be a training institution sometime soon. Stay tuned. Probably all of mine. Um, okay, so other things to really think about that can help your patients um, is vi talking about vitamin D. I mean, jump on PubMed or NIH and just look at the links with uh, vitamin D deficiency and caries risk. I think you'll be surprised. So may maybe having a really high quality vitamin D3 K2 supplement in your office. I like Mary Roost because it's um, it's carried in an olive oil. You know, these are flat solubles. It's a spray. It's super easy to administer to kids. Vitamin D can actually help with sleep quality as well. Um, if a parent says my child's really restless at night, tosses and turns, I think talking about magnesium, the four bed can really help with that. There's a lot of studies and a lot of the airway sleep docs will talk about the importance of magnesium for sleep quality. Um, so just maybe having some supplements on hand, basic ones, and magnesium also helps with dental development too. So vitamin D3, K2, magnesium, myo munchie. Um, I really want everyone doubling down on flossing. I mean, how many interproximal cavities can one profession see? I mean, this is a global epidemic. People aren't, we, we talk about brushing so much. I flipped the narrative. I, I barely talk about brushing now. I'm like, floss, 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 floss. So if they kids can't floss, have them water pick. You know, they sit them in a bathtub and get a cordless one, monitor it, water pick. It can be more fun. The studies are showing it is um, effective, as effective, but in different ways than flossing, but beggars can be choosers. Um, I do love nanohydroxyapatite. I mean, look, dig into the ozone stuff. See if you're interested in get, having ozone oil, at least. Maybe you don't have an ozone machine, but you just give out samples of ozone oil, which is what I do. I like Pure O3, P-U-R-O3. Um, and yeah, I do have some racks for toothpaste. Now this is going to be biased. So my I used to recommend Risewell Kids, which is microhydroxyapatite, which does work, but it definitely doesn't work as well as a nano. So Boca, B-O-K-A, was my go-to. But I'm... Um, I found that those still were not optimal for oral microbiome health. Um, they still had a lot of emulsifiers and surfactants in them, and that can disrupt um, the oral mucosa and the oral microbiome we've, we've seen through studies. Um, and so I created my own toothpaste with a partner, Dr. Mark Berhenna, who has asked the dentist on um, social media, on Instagram. And so ours is, we've created FIG. It's F-Y-G-G. And it stands for feed your good guys. Um, and it's a nano and micro hydroxyapatite blend. And we also added prebiotics and amino acids that have been shown to boost commensal bacteria. So it's oral microbiome supportive. Um, we have no emulsifiers, no surfactants, um, no glycerin. It's really clean. And the preliminary case studies that we've done in the research is pretty phenomenal. So if you want to learn more about the type of nanohydroxyapatite we use, it's called Nanoxim, N-A-N-O-X-I-M. It's SCCS, which is like the EU's kind of FDA. It's SCCS approved, made in Portugal. 
It's made by Fluid Innova. And you guys can jump on there. They have tons of white papers and research about nanohydroxyapatite and its comparison to fluoride. Um, so that's what, what I use. And I think for people looking for a fluoride alternative, I, I, I do suggest nanohydroxyapatite, whether it's my brand or someone else's. You do want to make sure it's SCCS approved. And so right now, the SCCS approved nanohydroxyapatites are Risewell Pro and Boca, Primal Organics, and then Fig, which is the one that I developed. How do you spell that? F-I-G or F- uh, F-Y-G-G. And it, it stands for feed your good guys because we're trying to teach the importance of the oral microbiome, gotcha. um, including the kids. We want them to know not all germs are bad. There's good, there's good guys and there's bad guys, right? And so we talk a lot about prebiotics at my office and probiotics and all that stuff too. So cool. yeah. All right. Well, Stacy, yeah. I feel like given the, given the trying to keep it within an hour context, we hit a lot of good stuff. Uh, we kind of covered a little bit of everything. So hopefully listeners kind of found this interesting and kind of um, at least keep your critical thinking skills open and think outside the box and stimulate some of this conversation. If I may, please. they are now, they're it, starting in 2024. I don't know when I've heard January, there's going to be a CDT code for hydroxyapatite varnish. So this will be billable to insurance. And I got you, we also created a hydroxyapatite varnish. <laughs> so this is available now for dentists. Um, this is something you could have at your office too for those fluoride hesitant families. Um, you apply it just like you would a fluoride varnish. It's just hydroxyapatite instead. It's nano, it's micro, it has prebiotics, and it has amino acids. And pretty soon there'll be an actual, there'll be a code for it. So um, that was released in Dentaltown. Um, there's going to be a new code. You can just do desensitizing agent right now um, as your code. But um, if you're interested in having this on hand for, because it's, you know, let's be real, we have overhead, right? And so if you're yeah. not doing fluoride, you know, that adds up. So yep. this is just another way. And it's truly shifting the, the oral microbiome for our kids. Again, we've done some preliminary studies. We're doing more research that I'll share on our website when, when it's yeah. complete. But yeah. Cool. Well, Stacy, you're a busy woman. You got, I, I like the way you roll. Like you're always hustling and thinking of new ways to give better care to your patients. I can tell you're really passionate about what you do, which is awesome. Um, so all that being said, I appreciate um, your time. You said Instagram. What's the best way to get a hold of you? You got, you're on social media, email. Yeah, my- I'm, I'm pretty good about answering my DMs on social media. So it's Dr. D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Stacy is S-T-A-C-I. Um, I have a website, drstacy.com, spelled the same way. And then um, you guys can email me too. It's Stacy, S-T-A-C-I at drstacy.com. If you're interested in learning more, coming to shadow, picking my brain about this or the other, I'm, I would love to help. That's fantastic. Well, again, I appreciate your time and uh, it was a pleasure speaking you. with you. And, uh, let's do round two again sometime, okay? Sounds good. Thank you so okay. much. All right. Thanks, Stacey. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Bruise and Tiny Teeth podcast. Be sure to DM our host, Casey Getz, on social media with any listener questions, comments, or tough clinical situations. We'll see you next week for another unfiltered episode.